0: This resource is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. Attend the next National Disciple-Making Forum by registering at Discipleship.org. The following audio comes from the 2016 National Disciple-Making Forum. The theme this year was Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. Discipleship.org brought together ten disciple-making organizations, all in one place, each organization hosting a different track. One of those ten tracks was hosted by Man in the Mirror with Brett Klemmer and his team. Here's audio content from Man in the Mirror and their track called No Man Left Behind.
1: Alright guys, uh, good to see you all here today for this uh, next session. Looking forward to uh, sharing it with you. How to disciple all of your men, not just some of your men. And the big idea is going to be uh, you to fully understand that every interaction you have with any man should be a part of your discipleship strategy. In short term, we want to retire the term men's ministry and to adopt a new mindset, and that's a ministry to men. So that's going to be your practical takeaway today. What is the difference between a men's ministry and a ministry to men? Let's uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll ask God to uh, be with us as we go throughout our time together. Father, thank you for those who have gathered today. Uh, your word says uh, in Proverbs 1, five. Uh, That we should have a uh, teachable and a humble spirit. A wise man will increase in learning. And so give us that capacity to increase in learning today from each other as these guys uh, interact and share examples from their particular church campuses uh, to also see what's going on around the country. And it's an honor to be with these guys today. And we just look forward to seeing uh, what you have in store for us as we continue on Bless All the Other Workshop uh, Leaders as they'll be sharing key insights. And may uh, the kingdom of God be advanced as a result of our time together today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We had mentioned uh, in previous sessions, we have a quarterly journal called Equipping the Man in the Mirror. And so we're making some copies available to those of you. As well as uh, a lot of folks uh, know about our ministry and its signature book, The Man in the Mirror. So if you'd like to have a copy, we have a free gift available as well. This particular session, again, is designed to uh, let you see what it means to disciple all of the men in your congregation, we've got these uh, four chairs up here to demonstrate uh, these five types of men. Why is there not a fifth chair? If you have not been with us before, it's because the fifth type of man is found in one of the first four categories. Most churches are reaching two of the five types of men, and it varies from church to church depending on uh, what your church uh, culture and uh, uh, philosophy of ministry. And uh, churches that are more outreach oriented, have more engagement with uh, the first two types of men. the churches that have a more in-depth approach, you know, or more effective with these last two categories of men. But again, if we're going to uh, live out the great Commission and to see uh, all of these types reached, it's going to be crucial uh, to see uh, those guys in their involvement level. Now, in some previous sessions, we've uh, solicited some input, what are some activities that you have uh, for your men? And so let's chronicle that as a group today. Uh, what are some current things that you have specifically for the men in your church? And we're going to teach you uh, some potential ways uh, to connect the dots. So let's have uh, some input uh, from a leader from each church. Give, just start t- tossing out some activities. I'm going to list them on the uh, whiteboard here. Okay, so from this list, a monthly breakfast... Uh, prison outreach, annual retreat, work projects, uh, gun range, golf tourney, sporting events, fishing derby, softball team. Those are pretty constant. We see those around the country. I've traveled to 40 states, consulted with over 600 churches. So you, you see those uh, listed in most places. So what we want to talk about today is, do those represent men's ministry or should they represent ministry to men? That's going to be the thesis Of our time together today. And we can add more uh, and cross reference that. So let's give you a quiz. Let's talk about the number of men in your church. Okay, and this could be an approximation. You may be on staff and you got a good handle on that. You may just maybe be a lay leader and you said, I have no clue. But just give me an approximation on uh, how many men are in your church. Okay? Eight. Eight, okay? So you're just starting out. Eight. Oh, excuse me, 800, okay? Hey, Clark, if you can write these numbers down for me too, okay? So 200, 800. Don't feel badly about that. The next D.O. Moody or Charles Spurge may be there, so don't worry about that. That's good. 1,500, Ben? Eight? Single digit? Church plant or just kind of getting started? Or Now, the next question we're going to ask, which will help define our thesis, when we talk about let's use the 800 number. Now, the average church across America, when we say, how many men are in your church, they'll tell us 800. Then we'll ask the next question, how many men are in your men's ministry? This is how they will equate this. Well, we have 50 guys that come to the monthly breakfast, so we have 50 men in the men's ministry. Or we have 100 of the 800 that go to the men's retreat, so that's how many men are in the men's ministry. Uh, 50 guys play golf annually, so we would call them in the men's ministry the number that should be listed in that blank is the same number that you just gave me. So if the number is 800, or we'll use in the back, there's 1,500 men. Where's your church located, by the way? Okay, in Indiana. By the way, let me get my states up here. If your state is not listed on the board, I want to make sure we include these for our prayer journal. Anybody that's new to our sessions? Some of you have been with the previous sessions. Any states not represented here? So let's use Evansville. 1,500 men. Are in our ministry to men, is how we're going to find this. Now, only 250 may be engaged right now, but the other 1250 are going to be on our watch. And we're looking for ways to build connection with those guys as we go forward. This represents the all-inclusive mindset and the No Man Left Behind book and training that we provide from our ministry. And so we're going to give you some uh, a sketch overview of this topic, but it really starts with how you quantify the men. That is the real number of ministry to men. So if you think men's ministry, you give a smaller number. If you think ministry to men, it's that full number, okay? So a lot of guys, that's a paradigm shift. You see, we've talked about silos. We'll gather the men in a silo, and those are the guys we're effectively reaching. Well, we want to see those silos imploded to go away, And let's look for ways to interact all across the board with the other three subgroups in the congregation. We're going to talk about today how to reach out and become a contributor to Ministry to Women. We're going to talk about how to be engaged in student ministry as well as children's ministry. So all four subgroups are working in harmony, they're cohesive, they're collaborative. And so what we're going to be striving to accomplish, and pastors uh, love this particular aspect to realize, oh, wow, this is not men's ministry as we knew it in the past. This is not just gathering the guys. Now, that doesn't mean all those things go away. But we've got to look for ways to build bridges to these other ministry settings as well as the other men in the congregation to see that become effective. Here's our definition of an all-inclusive mindset. Uh, Read that together with me in unison, if you will. An all-inclusive ministry maximizes the kingdom impact of every interaction our church has with every man. That's, in essence, what we're talking about. Now, let's read Colossians 1.28 at the top of the sheet as well to give us a scriptural foundation for this particular time together. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So Colossians 1.28 gives us a foundation for spiritual maturity or the maturing process. And for some of you that have not been to our previous sessions, we need to review with you what these five types of men that make up the 1500 in Evansville these are the categories of men. In fact, if you have not been in any of our previous sessions, Clark, let's give them those handouts back there so that will help understand a foundation. Just raise your hand if you're brand new to our track. Some of you have been in the previous sessions, but a couple of you are, are brand new. So let's give out that uh, Wide to Deep handout so they can see that one is what uh, I'm looking for. Should be be the, uh, the second one right there, the uh, Wide to Deep. There you go. So we would start out. We, we'll use Evansville as our case study. We would start out with how many guys over here of those 1,500, and, and by the way, most churches that I talk to, 1,500 does not include the first category because they're not thinking about the spiritually disconnected guys. They're not on the campus yet, but their wives attend. Their students attend. Their kids came to VBS. So in most places, 1,500 becomes 2,000 at the end of the day. There are 500 guys completely off the radar. and so Now, you may have already included those guys uh, in your grasp of that. The uh, majority of churches, 40 to 70 percent, have this second category of man. That's what we call that cultural Christian. This is the natural man who has a life focus on himself. The cultural Christian, he's got me on the front burner, God's on the back burner. That's how he's prioritized his life. So there's a lot of things happening. How do we engage that guy to proceed? That third category of man, who is the biblical Christian, he's now got God on the front burner. It's a God and me life focus. They're all known by their life focus, and... How that life focus is declared determines how they're living their life. This guy is now beginning to uh, reprioritize, taking steps towards biblical manhood. The fourth category of man is the servant leader, and his life focus is God and others. You see, me gets completely out of the way. He's completely focused on God vertically, and he's striving to reach out to his fellow man, to his community at large. So he has a God and others life focus. Then the fifth category of man has a life focus of where is God? He's the hurting man. So as you acquaint, uh, calculate those uh, those categories. So you break down your 1500, you know, to 250, 750, 200, 100. It looks something like that. Now the next thing we would do is begin to evaluate them. What do we have going on for each of these five categories? And so this whole all-inclusive mindset allows us to see, well, what's going on first for these guys? Then how can we build a bridge uh, to uh, go beyond? Let's look generically at some things this solves, and then we'll get into some practical examples of what this looks like. The first problem it solves is, are you in or are you out? We've even uh, trained leaders today. What's the name of your church, by the way, in Evansville? Okay, so uh, a lot of times you'll have a crossroads. Let's say they've got a band of brothers. Do you, do you have a name for your men in this group, by the way? Yeah, okay. So, you know, but let's say, for example, it was band of brothers. Now, let's say 200 guys are involved in band of brothers gatherings. The other 1,300, they feel left out. Where if it's men of crossroads, who happens to have a band of brothers' discipleship venue, but, oh, by the way... If I go with my wife to a discipleship venue, that counts. That's ministry to men. So let's say 800 guys are in some discipleship venue, and 600 of them are in co-ed settings, 200 of them are in band of brothers. Well, how many we have in discipleship? We have 800 of the 1,500. So we got to count like that when we classify it as ministry to men. If it's men's ministry, it only counted if they came to band of brothers. You follow that line of thinking? So it solves a problem, are you in or are you out? Another problem it solves on the back side of your page there are turf battles. You've got a facility here that works as a good example. You know, I was over there in the garage yesterday, which by the way, if you haven't bought, walked into that student ministry outlet they have here, it's a fantastic one, you all to take a look at it, it's very inviting. Uh, we talk about the man code for us, they definitely got a good student code. You know, it's the kind of place uh, you'd like to participate with. But, if we're gonna share some facilities, just like this particular classroom from, uh, the decor and the things that I found back there, it's not designed for a men's group to meet in here. You know, the way the walls are set up and some of the things they had. In fact, I put them in the back of the room to kinda of give me a better man code up front. Like, some of them make it generic. So, uh, uh but they're gonna, they're gonna use this facility. Well, let's say if your men's group is gonna meet here on a Tuesday night. You know, oh no, you, you can't use that room cause we got a women's meeting there or whatever. But, if we say, We're going to have a prayer gathering for the spiritually disconnected husbands, and we'd like to use room 230 this week. Now all of a sudden the turf battle goes away because the women's ministry begins to see, oh, wow, they're on my team. They have a chance to carry out uh, what's taking place. So it eliminates turf battles when you have the ministry to men concept. Number three, it puts you on the pastor's team. As we at Man in the Mirror attempt to serve pastors, train leaders, and to see God transform the lives of men, a lot of times we'll talk, in this previous session, we had mentioned the three strands of leadership, and a lot of times a leadership, a team will say, I just can't get the pastor to be on board. You know, he won't make our announcements on Sunday. I hear that quite often. You know, they, they, uh, they promote a lot of other things, but we don't get any airtime. It's hard to get an announcement in the worship guide. Uh, you know, we was hoping they'd fly an airplane over and promote that retreat, but they won't even do that, you know. And they say, whoa, time out. The guy's spinning plates. He's got you know, lots of things going on, and uh, that, that staff is involved in a setting. So just be sensitive to other things that are happening. It's not just uh, what you have going on in your world. So be patient. Look for time when it's appropriate uh, where we can have some promotion to take place. But when he hears the fact, or they, they hear the fact at the staff level, that you're longing to carry out the ministry to men concept, then you want to strengthen all the other three subgroups, students, women, and children. And then, fourthly, it also takes the pressure off. Let's use our example again. If we've got 200 guys in Band of Brothers, and there's 1,300 guys not dropping in, how much pressure do you feel? Man, you know, I'm just, I'm only batting, you know, 300 or whatever. To use a baseball analogy. But I'm missing 1,300. Well, what we forgot to think about is there's 600 guys that are going to the co ed discipleship venues. See, that relieves some pressure. All of a sudden now we're up to 800, not 200. So we realize there are other ways. And in my uh, capacity as a men's pastor, I counted community gatherings, BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. I had some guys that particular night work for them. That's where they were on the deep end of the spectrum. And uh, there were some other uh, kingdom connections already going on. Hey, if they were involved in BSF, they were counted on my list. Let's say I had 20 guys of my 1,500. Well, I've got 820 in discipleship. I've got 30 guys going to CBMC. All right? So I've got 30 more in discipleship. Now we're up to 850. You see? You follow that train of thought? Now, in your church culture, it may only count if it happens on your campus. You know, I'm a son of the South, and that's typically what we would choose to do in certain tribes. If it doesn't happen on campus, it doesn't count. i got to see it. i got to count it. i got to control it in some settings. Versus... What's happening off-site? What's happening out in the community at large? If discipleship is occurring, and some of our men are being plugged in, those are some examples. Clark's got a point to make. <laughs> yeah, right. If they That's right. So, you know, again, you got to look at all these uh, particular outside examples. Well, let's see what's going on in your neck of the woods. What, what are some things? Again, we're using uh, Evansville as a little bit of a case study here this morning. What about your particular setting? what are some examples of things right now you haven't yet counted so to speak you haven't yet connected with that could become ministry to men you've listed your men's only uh, activities let's list some examples now of what could be uh, ministry to men give me give me something that's going on in your church that you could leverage okay bingo that's a good one i'll just call it small groups generically people call them different things but the bottom line of their co-ed right okay good What's another one you could leverage? And this would apply to really all other uh, areas of serve uh, service in your church. But small groups is a real big one, the co-ed environments. What are some other ones? Things that are happening in your church now that you haven't really thought about. How many of you have vacation Bible school? Oh, that was a big one for me. Okay, greeters. So the list could go on beyond these, co-ed, small groups, uh, music ministry, vacation Bible school, greeters and parking lot, student ministry. These are just some examples. But what you need to start thinking as you move forward is what is taking place right now on my church campus that I should be leveraging? It's what I call the leverage versus launch principle. There are certain things you need to leverage, and then there are certain things you consider launching. Okay? So as you do this audit, of what's going on in the ministry context. You think about all these activities for these five types of men specifically, but you think about it beyond men's only gatherings. And you think about what's happening church-wide. When I went for this training uh, back in 2007, that was what struck me. Brett Klemmer, our president, uh, who was actually supposed to be leading the session, by the way, he had to go home because of uh, Hurricane Matthew, and uh, the storm did turn away from uh, central Florida yesterday, so there was minimal impact, but he did want to be there, and rightfully so, uh, with his family but when brett was training me on these concepts uh, 10 years ago and he asked the question what is what is happening on your church campus right now that you have not thought about with this mindset of minister to men and in those days you know we were having a total focus on uh, men's only gatherings and so the first thing that struck me was vacation bible school how many of you have EBS in your churches okay a lot of you uh, a lot of you have access to those So, in our situation, 500 kids would attend. At least 50 uh, spiritually disconnected dads had their kids involved. The single parent families, you know, there would be another 25 or 50. So, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, all we have done is set up hospitality tents and then stood back and watched the women's ministry and the student ministry carry off to the children's ministry, our annual summer outreach. But we're back there just kind of watching and praying from afar. We have not engaged fully. So that was my point of application. We went back, and with our leadership team, and with a member of our church, we said, okay, listen, we're going to thank Vacation Bible School as ministry to men. They're, They're dropping 50 spiritually disconnected dads in my lap. And I'm nowhere to be intentional with those particular guys. So we developed flyers, okay, from our ministry to men. And when uh Andrew, is that right? Yes sir. So when Andrew drops in uh on Tuesday morning and uh they had a rally at the very beginning of the day. So a lot of these dads would stay and watch the rally, then the kids would go into their you know specialized classes, he'd go into work. But Charlotte's a big banking industry. So uh, he's heavily involved in that. He's got some flex hours. Maybe he's even working from home. So we had a lot of these dads were dropping the kids off. It just wasn't uh, the, the the mothers. So I walk up to Andrew. I say, Andrew, man, listen, great to see you here today. I'm so glad that your son, uh, Barrick came and participated. You know, my son's actually in the student ministry. He's leading one of the classes. And he's in, he enjoyed having Barrick in his class yesterday. And uh, we're excited you're back today and taking advantage of it. Hey, here's a flyer uh, for what's going on for uh, you guys because though this is great for uh, children, children are important. Men are valuable, and this is kind of like VBS for dads. Take this flyer, gives you some more information. And oh, by the way, my son and uh, Baric, uh yourself, we'd love to take you guys to the monster trucks. We're going to go see those just in a couple of weeks, and they'll have a special uh, pit pass. Bring the kids in, let them jump on the monster trucks, take some pictures, sign some autographs. We'd love for you to be our guests. No obligation, just an invitation. It's VBS for dads. That would be the way we would interact with the Andrews of the world. So he doesn't leave campus without having somebody recognizing, oh, by the way, I'm commending him for bringing his son. We're realizing we want to reach out to the entire family, but I'm not inviting Andrew to the Bible study that the men are hosting on Tuesday night. Okay, Because I don't really know where he is yet spiritually in this whole continuum. But in our neck of the woods, monster trucks, they have this back-to-school bash, And a lot of folks, 15,000 or so, turn out in the community. It's right in our backyard. So I'm going to invite him to go. My son in the student ministry you know, is is overseeing his son. They've already built a connection point right there, so it won't be somebody brand new. So all of a sudden, we just need to get Andrew to come and be our guest. That would be an example of us turning Vacation Bible School into ministry to men. And you'd be surprised how many Andrews would choose to come to something like that. Now... Let's say he's going to go on vacation. Man, I'd love to do that, but, you know, we're going to be going to Myrtle Beach. So what do you do then? That's why your flyer has got multiple choices. Well, listen, next on the docket is the auto Fair. The world's largest auto fair is going to be at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Over 10,000 vehicles. Hey, what's your favorite classic car, Andrew? Oh, man, I have a 30, 34 Ford Coupe. Hey, listen. My dad had one of those things. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. His was candy apple red. They had a few of those last year at the auto fair. I don't know what they'll have this year. But uh, I'd love for you to be my guest. And again, it's a father-son, a father-child activity. And uh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting him where he's willing to participate. So there's an example of turning vacation Bible school into ministry for men. They are bringing him to me. I have not discovered that contact, okay? So Vacation Bible School is the magnet that's drawing Andrew's son, Barrick, And I'm going to cap- capitalize on that by not being over the top, not being pushy, but at least providing him an opportunity if he would also like to explore. And uh, one of my guys actually came up with that slogan. It's like VBS for dads. And I thought that was a classic line as far as what we had to provide for men. And so, because even, even the unbelieving father, he wants to be a dad that makes a difference. We've determined that with our research around the country. We have a seminar by that title, Dads That Make a Difference. And there'll be guys that will come who are spiritually disconnected, but they still long to be a good father. And so you can strike while the iron's hot there and take advantage. That's just one example of turning that in. All right, let's look at some of the examples you've given. All right, so we've got this, uh, this monthly breakfast Okay, so we've got a selection of group. Let, let's talk about the church that had the breakfast. I believe it was yours. So how many guys attend that? 20 to 30. And how many men again in the church? Okay. The other fellows who do not attend, why, why do you think they choose not to participate? It's Saturday morning. Bingo. <laughs> the, the 20th century mindset is, you know, we're always going to cook the pancake breakfast. And the young dads are out there coaching their kids in soccer, you know. Or, or, or saying, you know, this is my one day. I've been traveling the country this week for my, you know, they're, they're grinding everything they can out of me, so I, I can't get up on Saturday morning uh, to do that. That's foreign into the senior adult population who's always had a military background or on the farm, and so that's just in their in their wheelhouse. But for one of those two reasons, we're engaged in other activities, so that time slot doesn't work for me. There was a church that I uh, spoke at in South Carolina. They have a Sunday morning, uh, a Sunday afternoon luncheon for men. And they've got 1,500 men, and they'll have 250. They have us a quarterly. I've never heard of such a setting, and that wouldn't work where I come from because young families, hey, we're going to go home and do other things. But for that particular church culture, it does work. Now, they draw a wide variety, including guests who come. But the typical Saturday breakfast, uh, it's dying a slow death. Yep, look at alternative time slots, kind of get engaged when those guys might be interested. But to make it all inclusive, again, we need to refigure it. A lot of times the senior adults want to kind of hang on to that breakfast. And that's okay. If that's where they want to gather. At least they're meeting at some level. You just want to see them move from fellowship to discipleship. That would be another aspect of that breakfast. If all they do is gather, we talked about that this morning, and they're just flipping pancakes, they've not transitioned from fellowship to discipleship, then it's not a discipleship venue. It's a fellowship venue. Which maybe a guy could come, another senior adult may feel comfortable. Let's say somebody comes to live, an aging parent. There's still enough health where he can attend. He'll do the family thing. Well, maybe he'll drop into the breakfast. So there are certain occasions where it still can have an outreach component. But for the younger generation, they don't tap into that because it's the wrong time and it's the wrong place. All right, let's look at the, uh, the prison ministry. Um, that's obviously a very specialized outreach. How many guys participate with that? Who Whoever shared the prison ministry? So that, that's a major outreach. Is it the same 75? Is it a rotation of 75? Yeah. So what would be an entry point if I'm in a Category 2 and I begin to reprioritize my life and I realize, you know what? My, my brother was in prison. I want, I want to help the next family that has a brother like mine from getting there. So so what what is my entry point? How, how do I get plugged into that? Give us an example. Good stuff. So it sounds like you've already got some things in place that can make that much more of a broader appeal uh, to people for sure. All right. Uh, let's talk about the retreat. That's a big one. I hear that all across America. Who was the one that listed the retreat? Because a lot of you would probably have those. Okay. So give me some ratios. How many guys attend the retreat of the total number? Typically what happens is, of those 50, 30 to 40 are core group guys. They come annually. Then you have like a rotation of 8 or 10 that kind of filter in from that other group. Is that what happens in your place? Okay. So that, that's pretty much the norm. Uh, obviously, it would be open to the all 250, I would assume. Yeah, and, and the place you're going to has the capacity. What What is your mindset as far as why some of those other guys don't choose to participate? Have you had a chance to gauge that? Big block of time. The cultural Christian, no, he's not ready to make that kind of commitment. And uh, the guys are a little more in-depth. They like to get along with God, get a chance to hang out with some other guys. You know, it tends to draw the threes and four categories of men. So that's pretty typical of where you go. So what we've suggested around the country is to consider, is there any alternative? And... Um, some guys have chosen to go an alternative, uh, year by year. We'll go an annual retreat and then we'll have an in-house rally. I started this with our congregation. I thought, okay, uh, I would like to get higher numbers. So I began to survey guys to see what was the hold up. And they said that the large block of time, you know, we'd love to be able to tap into that, but can we just come Friday night only? So we actually did that too. We were within a couple hours drive. So a guy could come for a Friday night, but he goes back home to coach his kids in soccer, or maybe he's got to be called into work on Saturday or whatever. But he wants to, he wants to have at least some access to it. You get beyond an hour or two drive, it makes it difficult even to take in one evening's worth. But to, uh, return. So we, we had this in-house rally on Friday night. And, uh, we, uh, we reached 80% of our guys. So I decided to just go full bore with that. Because I'm more committed to the larger group than I'm to take those. I'll take leaders on a retreat, but as far as men are concerned, I'll have an in-house rally. And when I'd come to a conference like this, you know, uh, I'd bring maybe a John Ortberg DVD back that I thought that's what my guys need to hear, what John shared at this conference. And so we would have live worship, we would have other things uh, packaging around that, but uh, it would be an opportunity then to uh, let those guys go sleep in their own beds. And on Saturday, then we had optional activities. You could have a, a part. I mean, a, a nine-hole captain's choice golf tournament. One of the guys would lead a hiking trip. Uh, the auto fair would be an option. We designed around that weekend, so you had multiple choices. Or you could go coach your kids in soccer. You could go to work, you know, and you still could participate. So to me, the in-house rally is uh, a, a way to look at the future with time being the modern-day currency. And then to say, we'll save our retreat for the leaders. These guys are in-depth in their walk anyway. And it can include aspiring leaders, not just a, a cluster of six or eight guys. It can be open. Hey, we're going off on a retreat weekend. We're going to do planning for the next year. Uh, there's going to be a strong prayer component. you know. So you're advertising it as a deep-end event, but it's open to other men. And that's a great leadership development piece. So that would be a way to include guys who can't participate. But you might want to think that process through as well. Uh, work projects. Somebody fleshed that out who gave us that example. Tell us what, what takes place in your neck of the woods with those. And that is a great, uh, entry point for a guy. Again, he'll be willing to give God his hands, even if he's in that first category. He's a natural man, you know, he's got some job skills. I was with a leadership team, uh, last year, and, uh, we had talked about having, uh, a leader over each of the five types of men. In this particular case, I asked the, uh, the guys that were leading the Bible studies, hey, how, how do you connect the dots between building the wheelchair ramp, And wanting to see guys plug into what you've got going on for them. Because they can give God their hands first, but they need to give God their heart and their heads. To see fuller development with spiritual maturity. And so that was kind of off the radar. Well, that, that's not on my watch. You know, I, I don't do the building construction. Well, I didn't ask you to go participate with the team, but can you just go carry some Gatorade out to the guys or to go out there and have a prayer huddle at the end? Say, this is fantastic. Let's dedicate this wheelchair ramp. You know, Mrs. Smith's been coming to our church for a long time and now she's going to be incapable of that, but at least allows her to get out do some things with the family, maybe attend occasionally. And so that'd be an example of somebody dropping in and leveraging that and to say, okay, you may not be skillful like that but we want to see everybody be aware of that and buy into it and see it as an entry point uh the gun range who's the guys that go shooting okay yeah tell us about that and uh, again you just want to kind of revamp that rework that what can we learn from it it's not because we're frustrated because the guys won't sign up let's retool that you know what what can be something that has a better inclusive uh, process But I love the outreach component because that shows inclusiveness of the guys who are not currently involved. Same thing with the golf tourney, I would assume. Most people that have the golf tournaments, it's an open environment to those in the community. Who had the golf tournament analogy? Somebody shared that anyway. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, or if it's captain's choice, everybody can putt. Everybody's playing putt putt, you know. So if the guy is not an avid golfer, we still let them understand. Hey, listen, you know, we've got our A players and our B players and our C player. We just need a D player, you know. All I need you to do is just. All you want to do is putt on the green. You never know, man. You'll luck up, and knock it in. But he knows who the guys are. If a strategic, the foursomes that we would invite, we would hope to have you know chemistry. So we just wouldn't assign somebody. Hey, here's a D player left over. That's the, that's the worst way to do something. No, no, Each team recruits guys based on chemistry and affinity, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. And uh, it's been fun to watch guys who did not feel skillful at all, whether it be the helper on the work project to feel like he can contribute and or the guy like this who's less skillful with a particular sport. They feel like, hey, man, you still can be a big part of this team. You know, you're the bus driver for the, for the softball team. That was one of the guys mentioned that. Or, or you can be the, uh, the third base coach. You know, you may be limited. We used to always bring, uh, we had a, uh, a young man in our church with cerebral palsy. So, uh, you know, he was the honorary bat boy, you know, for the softball team. And he lived for those opportunities to come out there and to plug in. It made him feel a <laughs> part. His dad had left the home. So he needed mentorship, you know, and he, he lived for those occasions. He'd go to the altar fair with us, you know, so, so to include people even in those kind of strategies as well. Sporting events, somebody mentioned those. Give me some, you said baseball. Tell us what that looks like. Right. Now, of those 50 guys, would all of them be from the church? Would you also invite guys from the community? Bingo. See, that would, that's, that's an example that we would suggest in this next session is going to be on uh, Create, Capture, Sustain, how to have a, have a whole ministry cycle, which will take this to the whole next level, will be the session to follow this one. But there have been an example. You're creating value in the community with guys who love baseball. So again, if you're thinking just exclusive, it's only for the guys in our church. Let's have a sign-up for the guys in the church to go to the retreat. Let's have a sign-up for the guys in the church to go to the gun range. I was always thinking there were always open events. Now, leadership levels, again, we'll do some drill downs and stuff like that, but even they're going to be open to aspiring leaders. But specifically, you know, we're missing opportunities to be inclusive. And again, if you're connected with the women's ministry and you have a conversation with the women's ministry coordinator... And she tells you about these, uh, let's, let's go back to the 1500 example. You got to read on how many women attend the congregation whose husbands will be disconnected and don't attend. You probably have 25 to 50. Maybe up to 75 to 100. So those guys go on the roster. One of the things that I would want to find out, even, even the wife can submit that to me. I'm a real big surveyor of men. We would give out a survey every Father's Day. And I can provide you a copy of that. It asks them five basic questions. Uh, one of those would be their hobbies and interests. So wherever their common ground is, I'm going to work that. So if the wife tells me my husband's a golfer, he's a hiker, he's a fisherman, they're going to get an invite. I'll give that wife or one of our leadership team members an invite to the baseball outing. Let's say the guys, uh, t- tell me where you guys go. Where are you from again? Iowa. So you went to a minor league stadium in De- Des Moines or? Des Moines, just go to Des Moines. Bingo, okay. Have you ever been to the Bob Feller Museum in Des Moines? Bingo. Uh, Van Meter. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Bob Feller fan because my grandfather grew up that way. I've got a signed baseball of his. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. So I've been there twice when I've been out to visit one of our field staff. And uh, so that would be a great place to take a, a guy that really loves baseball, especially loves baseball history. And so, anyway, let's say you're going uh, 50 miles, so you've got a good drive time situation. So who in the congregation whose wife attends likes baseball? They're going to get an invitation. Now, He may be hesitant to come to the gun range or the golf outing. But now baseball, that's going to kind of trump what's going on. And especially if one of the guys from the church, maybe the two wives attend the women's group. Or we're in the, uh, when we get to the small groups in a minute, we're in that co-ed environment. That's a great way to target them. Our our co-ed small group, hey, uh, you know, John is on the radar. And uh, Sally, his wife, comes to our group. So how can we target John Here's an example because he loves baseball. And we've got to be thinking that through as we plan events. What are some things that re- would resonate with the guys in the community, specifically that are not yet connected with our church? Clark, you had a point? Yeah. The baseball outing is a connection point that would resonate with a guy who loves the sport of baseball. And, oh, by the way, you go from acquaintances, oh, these are some of the guys that Sally's been telling me about she hangs around with on Tuesday nights. Or these are the guys that I've felt comfortable with before. But I had a a great opportunity. We we connected some dots on the road trip. The baseball game was fantastic. So there's an example of, hey, let's don't be exclusively targeting the guys who are already in the congregation. Let's be inclusive of the guys outside the congregation. We cross-reference. Same thing with the student ministry. We're going to have a conversation. Who are the dads that are there that might like baseball? Sure. Sure. Well, fantastic for you even to think like that because uh, that young generation, they're longing. Some of them need father figures. They need mentors in their life. And to uh, I would start, first of all, if I were using that example, if you want to target the local uh, baseball team in your community to take with you to your baseball outing that you take 50 guys from your congregation to, I'd first go to the game and watch the kids play. So I have some point of reference you know, what position the guy plays, how it's going for him, maybe gain some information. And, uh hey, John, man, you did a great job last week with that triple. That's fantastic, you know. I haven't been to the local high school stadium in a long time, you know. And uh, my brother played there many years ago. So it was really neat to make that connection. So uh let's see who can uh, hit a triple today for uh, the team in Des Moines or whatever. So you're taking an interest. You're getting on their turf. Then when they come participate with you, you know, just let life uh break out. I took uh some conversation starters they were called DTQs, drive time questions. And even for just men only or for settings like this. And it helps to get the conversation flowing that would be beneficial. So if I was taking a baseball outing, I would have me a baseball trivia contest. And so, you know, do you guys travel like in a, in a chartered bus? you got van loads, car loads? Carpool. So Okay, carpool. So you got, you got ten car loads of four to five guys. Well, every driver is going to have the trivia contest. And on the way to the stadium, we're going to see who gets the most questions right of the 20. I would do things like that. And so the high school baseball players, some of them are more modern era. They don't really know much about who Rogers Hornsby was. I got to ask who the first five players to be inducted into the Hall of Fame You know, and see who could get the first five, how uh, I many of the five you can get. But you'd work your way through. And particularly that area of the country, you know, to like I said, the Bob Fellers, you know. Who is Bob Fellers? Some of those young guys have no clue he's from that uh, that region there. So something like that could be a nice little way to connect with them, and they may enjoy that. But uh, I would say then at the uh, stadium itself, once we got there, then you don't want all of your guys huddled up and then all the the, uh, the students huddle up, you know, probably mix and mingle them, you know. Put them close enough where if I were buying the seats or were 50 guys going, you know, that I'd want to get uh, 10 rows of five. You know, I want row one through row ten. So we got five deep all the way back. That way I could be accessible in front of me and behind me. If you go, you know, most stadiums have at least twenty five seats in a row. If you go twenty five and twenty five, then I'm limited to two or three guys. But, you know, this far up, you know, I can I can go two or three rows or whatever. And so be strategic even about things like that. And um uh, so again, just during the course of the game, you know, get to know a little bit about their background and, and, uh, what, what attracted them to the sport of baseball, that kind of stuff. So those are conversation starters and you go as far as the guy wants to go. You know, the, he may be on his earbuds and doing his, doing his phone during the game. That's typical. And we're okay with that. And so just let it naturally flow. You'll, you'll strike goal with some guys. Some guys will kind of just maybe get to first base, but they will remember, uh, 10 years from now, they'll have no clue who won the baseball game. But 10 years from now, they'll realize somebody was intentional to reach out to me that's not a family member, that wasn't even in my wheelhouse before. But here's a man that came to my game. This past week was the 19th anniversary of Standing the Gap in D.C. Were any of you guys at Washington, D.C. 19 years ago? 1.4 million of us. One of the highlights of that trip was not just taking 50 men in a charter bus from our congregation, but I took two uh, kids from uh, uh, underprivileged homes with me. And Sanchez Alexander, sixteen-year-old, never forget how much he enjoyed. He he would never get to D.C. and see all the sites we saw. We included a little bit of a tour with that process. But the uh, interactions with the men of that church, he had no father figure. I went to his football games and I saw him play, you know, and I began to reach out to him with an after-school uh, uh, learning center that he was a part of. And then we said, "Hey, Sanchez." I took him to hear Reggie White speak. Some of you remember Reggie White. He spoke in Charlotte, so he was very impacted by that. And then I said, hey, I'd like for you to go to D.C. with the guys in our church. So he and a buddy, uh, they went with us. And they still talk about that to this day, that we took the time and effort to take them along with us. So that's being intentional. Uh, lack of intentionality is one of the three common mistakes that churches make. Uh, the softball team, fishing derby, any comments about those examples, about how you've been able to use those or you could use those in a different fashion? Yeah, great question, Andrew. First of all, this is not a comprehensive list. Right. It's a representative list of those who have gathered here today as far as some examples. But this is a great question. The millennials think, act, and, and have interest outside of some of these more standard, let's say, uh, typical activities. And so, you know, where do they want to hang out? Like my son who's 28, he's in a street photography. So I would challenge him as being a part of the men's leadership team. He doesn't to come and join our functions, but he's in the discipleship. Hey, would you, would you put an entourage together? He's got a couple followers on Facebook that like to see his his pictures. I said, What if you took some guys with you for a street photography shoot? You know, Uh, another thing, uh, I was with a church in Indianapolis, and um, uh, a lot of the younger generation plays fantasy league football. So we showed up for a leadership team meeting, and eight guys were in a room, and then these guys walked in with these jerseys on, and they met across the hall. It was like a glass. Uh, wall here so you could see through i said hey those guys are in the wrong room They said, oh no that's the fantasy football league draft they're having today for the men in our church one of rob leonard's groups and i said oh really i said is anybody on that fantasy football league draft group they all go to your church do you have y'all built a bridge to them so even within the congregation they were not even inclusive to think see that doesn't count oh that's fantasy football league because that young generation a lot of times like to play that. They don't necessarily go to the sporting events. I mean go to the baseball outing, but they'll play the fantasy draft or whatever. So there was a church that wasn't even leveraging something happening in their own backyard. Uh, Clark, you got an, uh, an answer for his question? Yeah. My dad grew up, you know, uh, letting me watch him uh, reline the brakes of his car. But the old shade tree mechanic, as we said in the South, those days are gone. But if he didn't grow up with a father that invested in him mechanically, he's got a mechanical bent, well somebody exactly give me that interaction that'd I'd be, that'd be a, a, a connection point that I'd get some practical benefit from that but also relationship forms Hey, I enjoyed hanging out with you today. let's go let's go break some bread you know stuff like that the old guys how to do things with their Sure exactly they can, can row reversal yeah exactly yeah exactly that's why the survey is so crucial because it would give me more of a comprehensive okay. so the Andrews of the world in, in, on my watch and you begin to list out here's three things that you would choose to participate in that represent your hobbies and interests. And then we find out, like uh, this may not be a total apples to apples, but it may be helpful. One year in our survey, uh, remote control airplanes showed up. And uh, some of you from my generation, the baby boomer era, you guys have an old PT-19 with a string, you know, fly it around the glow plug and stuff, you know. Hard to get that thing cranked all the time. And so that's what remote control airplanes look like to me. Well, that's new generation. Man, it's high tech. So I kind of chuckled when I saw that because I thought, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Well, two brand new guys in the congregation uh, on Father's Day filled out that survey, and they also said that. So number one, uh, my Andrew who had been there for a while, and two brand new guys. I said, hey, we're going to form the remote control airplane club, and uh, I want to show up one Saturday at the uh, local airport and kind of get a gauge on what's going on. So we went out there, and there's like ten or twelve guys there there every Saturday. So my Andrew was a chair two guy, but he was longing to you know, be involved more. This goes back to the time element. So I don't need to take him away from flying remote with airplanes on Saturdays to go to the men's breakfast. I need to go jump on his bandwagon and make him effective with the guys in the community, nine of whom have no connection with us. But now i got two brand new guys in the church. What do they like to do? So I said, Andrew, you're commissioned to go lead this charge. So those three guys developed a great relationship out of common ground that the survey indicated to me. Then they had a chance. One of those nine men was a hurting man whose father passed away. And over a uh, uh, a number of months, they came back and told me this story about this guy who said, and they didn't come out there, and, and we didn't even give the the MVP flyers out at the remote control airplane. That's a public setting. I want that to kind of happen naturally, you know. Uh, we, we didn't go over the top of that. But after a while, they began to sense, hey, you know, you three guys seem to have a connection. you all work together? Well, no, we just uh, we hang out together. Well, what, where do you go? So we kind of gradually, you know, brought up the whole concept uh, of what we're all about without being over the top. That's just my preferred approach because I'm trying to target those guys on the wide side, and I don't want to disarm anybody. By the way, when I'm sitting on an airplane, as I will tonight, and fly home, I'll have this little booklet over here called the uh, the Man Alive booklet, one of our resources, and this gives a little excerpt of uh, the God story. But the way I start my conversations out is uh, if they put the earbuds on, they're dialing it back, we got no conversation. You know, I'll just going to be me and, and I may catch up on some rest or do some reading. But we're buckling our seatbelts, not everybody's locked and loaded yet, so I'll just kind of toss out a softball question if I gauge the environment's right. So what's the purpose of your travel, business, or pleasure? How they answer that first question determines how far I'm going to go with them. And uh, sometimes they jump all over it and give me a lot of information. But then I'll ask a follow-up question. Oh, I know somebody that lives in, you know, I was in Montana this summer. I love Glacier National Park. Oh, really, how many times have you been there? So how engaging they want to be, you know, uh, is how far we'll go. But it's interesting that at the end of the day, you know, I typically will have this available if it's appropriate and it's timely to drop this off for a seed investment. And when they ask me, what's the purpose of your travel? They return the serve back to me. How I answer the question is also crucial. The subtitle of the man in the mirror is the 24 problems that men face. So I say this. I get a chance to travel the country. I was in Nashville with over 600 people. We talked about the 24 problems that men face. I have not disarmed them whatsoever. You know, with God, Jesus, or the Bible. Oh, really? Well, what are some of those problems? Oh, there's some identity problems and time problems and temperament problems. I was with a shoeshine guy in Mobile, Alabama one morning, and he was, uh, having, a co- we were having this conversation. He saw my, my logo. He says, Boy, man in the mirror has really impacted my life. And I stood up real quick. I thought, man, thank you, God. I, f- I ran across somebody that really was impacted by the mirror. That Michael Jackson song, that thing just blew me out of the water. <laughs> so, okay, Lord, hum- humble pie. It wasn't us. Okay. But the Lord gave me a good comeback. I said, you know what? The lyrics to Michael Jackson's song were, were, were good lyrics we want to take you from good to great. Here's a booklet to teach you how to do that. And the guy was very receptive to that. So how you connect with people, how you interact with people, the remote control airplane guy, eventually he saw those fellows as regular guys that just enjoyed airplanes. But when he faced a crisis moment, he said, hey, you know, uh, he waited everybody left. The other eight guys were were gone. So he's one of the nine. And he says, you know, my, my father passed away this week and I'm really, really struggling with this. And I know uh, I'm not much on God and Christianity and stuff, but uh, would, would you guys, uh, would you would all would y'all have a prayer for me, you know, kind of reluctantly? So those guys have a prayer huddle, you know, not out there in front of the other eight guys. All right, listen, we're going to call on the Almighty God of the universe. We need you guys to put your planes up. This is important right now. You know, some people like to call timeouts and do that kind of thing. Well, you've disarmed those other eight guys for the next eight years, in my view. But they just privately went off to the side after everybody finished up, didn't try to make the the guy feel embarrassed, and they had a nice little prayer huddle. You know what that guy did? He showed up next day at church. Why? Because he's now in a crisis. He's a man of suffering. But somebody has sown enough seed flying remote control airplanes that have earned his trust, and they know there's something different about these other three guys. So to me, that is great lifestyle evangelism being played out at a remote control airport. But we've got to know who likes to fly those planes before anything like that happens. And so gather that information, that's crucial. Hey, in our last few minutes together, now let's take some of these uh, existing ministers. I've already given you the VBS analogy, but let's talk through some of these. Let's talk about specifically this biggest one is the co-ed small group. How do we target those? I was with a church in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, 6,000 people connected with their ministry. Now, they use strictly co-ed discipleship venues. There are no gender-only gatherings, not even women's ministry, much less ministry to men. So they said, how can man in the mirror assist us? I said, can we come in and help you discover a point man in each of those co-ed settings that can represent ministry to men? So we've got these uh, small groups, community groups, life groups, people different use different terms. But there's a cluster, you know, of five or six couples. But very often, you'll find a wife attending whose husband is spiritually disconnected. We want to reach that guy. And we can reach him to the co-ed environment. So the point man is not the leader of the group, but he could be an apprentice leader. And he's tasked with uh, managing, shepherding, being involved with those other five guys that attend. So they're having cups of coffee. They're the one coming to the... He'll get a carload of guys to go to your baseball outing, by the way. So there's an all-inclusive aspect. Hey, my my small group's coming. I'll I'll get my van full of our five guys. But guess who's coming that day to the baseball alley? It's it's the sixth guy who does not come to the co-ed environment. But the all-inclusive has a mindset to say, okay, wow, here's an opportunity because he loves baseball. His wife knows who we are. We're having cookouts. We're doing other fellowships. We're building bridges. Eventually he comes around. And then if we find out, now again, maybe he's not, maybe he's not a baseball guy. Maybe he's a golf guy. He gets invited to be on my foursome for the part three golf tournament or he likes fishing. So he gets to come to the fishing derby. You see how we're reaching him through the co-ed life group. That's an all inclusive example. Big, big time, uh, application across the board. We would tell you in the, uh, I'll, I'll apply both of these to the greeters. Uh, the parking lot attendants, and the music ministry. I submit this idea. Find you a chaplain, a lowercase c chaplain, okay? If we got a, uh, wh- wh- who gave the music ministry example so we can make this concrete? How many people are in the choir? Probably 100. Okay, uh, 40 guys maybe, 40 to 60 is kind of the average split. So the chaplain of the choir is a part of my ministry to men team as an ex-officio. And uh, his main objective is to monitor and to track and to encourage those 40 other guys. They're, they're allocating time. People will give you, by the way, two uh, events per week on the average in the modern day scenario. And if it's going to be the weekend celebration, it may be a large church, it may be a Saturday night deal. So it could be the Saturday, Sunday. And then there's going to be one thing happening during the week. So if he's coming to choir practice on Thursday night, he can't come to your men's breakfast on Saturday or your men's group on Tuesday. Why? Because he's there on Thursday. And so the opportunity for him then to realize there's somebody, and with that many people, I might have a couple of chaplains, because most guys can manage about eight or ten people to be honest with you. So we might have uh, start out with one, and here are the ten guys that aren't really plugged in anywhere else. I'd start with those guys. Maybe twenty or thirty of those fellows could be key leaders. There's an elder, the singing bass. You know, and a, and a, and a co ed leader singing tenor if you're in a four part harmony situation. The same thing for the greeters in the parking lot. And this will also be for the ushers. What does the lowercase c chaplain do? Hey, we're going to pass out the vests to give to these guys. Here's their, uh, you know, uh, flashlights or whatever that they, they would use, uh, flags or whatever device. But while we're doing that, hey guys, let's have a prayer huddle. As people drive into the parking lot today, let's just, uh, let's just ask God to prompt them with his presence and the things that take place today. You know, Pastor Barry's got a, a sermon he's going to be preaching today. I had a chance to see the outline of it a leadership team meeting this week. Let's let's just huddle up right here and pray. We're just not parking cars, guys. These are lives that are to be changed. That's what a lowercase c chaplain would do in that setting. So you see, we're including him. That's minister to men. So again, it's not back to the 200 that come to the breakfast. No, no, it's the other 600 in life groups. And oh, by the way, we got 18 guys serving on the parking lot uh, uh, team or greeters, or ushers. Same thing with the ushers. The the, the the chaplain for the ushers gathers those men in a prayer huddle. Hey, guys, you know what? The money today is going to go around the world. Think about all the missionaries on, on, our, uh, uh, on our watch that we're helping to support. And so we get the privilege today uh, to receive... You never collect an offering, by the way, philosophically. You receive one. We're receiving funds that can go towards kingdom advancement. And so let's just pray... As that plate passes by or a basket, whatever it is, obviously online giving in a lot of places. So if you still have ushers that use that fashion, then just get them to realize, wow, this is more than just distributing bulletins and passing the plates. It's beyond money. It goes back to heart transformation. We're praying for those guys that are participating in that aspect. Hey, the mission task force came up. I want to hear a little more details about that. Who shared that example? So all of those... Uh, men who participate in those tasks force, going back to your number of 1500, you know. So here's, uh, the men's only gatherings. Here's the co-ed gatherings. Here's the task force. Here's their parking lot attendance. So then your magic number is going to be this. I was with a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, one of the most well-developed churches in America. They have a men's pastor. They have a, a conference that draws 4,000, uh, on a weekend in February. They simulcast around the country to uh, 16 other 1,000. So 20,000 people are impacted in February uh, by this ministry. But when I met with their leadership team, I found a chink in the armor. Because there's 2,500 men, 500 of whom are plugged into certain discipleship venues for the men's only gatherings. Another 1,000 attend some co-ed gatherings. So that gives us 1,500 those are good statistics, by the way, well well above the national average. But my question was this, since I'm a reaching men on the fringe guy, what's happening to the other thousand guys? And they said, well, we're not really interested in those fellows. We want to be interested in those guys who show a spiritual hunger. And my heart was broken to think, man, you're knocking it out of the park over here on this end of the continuum. But it's almost like you're just disacknowledging these guys until they show up. They, they didn't want to go to them. you know. They, they, were, they were willing to welcome these guys in once they showed an interest, but uh, I, I just see the life of Jesus again—called, equipped, and sent. Are we not sent? Let's send some guys back over there, so eventually we can reach all 2,500 of those men. But there was a thousand guys being left behind, and it didn't really seem to bother that leadership team. And that was—that was, that was burdensome to hear. They're the best example I've ever seen to be over here in the deep end. You know, they're knocking it out of the park. They're writing their own curriculum. Just fantastic but there's a 1,000 guys still being left behind, and they weren't burdened about that. So, again, have an equal balance uh, to have a desire. You won't reach those guys you know, in the next uh, six months. It takes a long time to make a male disciple. We say you've got to be willing to give 10 years to men's discipleship. Some of you guys at the beginner level, hey, you're not going to go knock it out of the park in the next 10 weeks, not even the next 10 months. Okay, You've got to pace yourself. It's one man at a time, and then over time, we can see God begin to draw uh, those guys to, to themselves. Just a few minutes left. We're time for one, more, one or two more questions. I don't have that statistic available, but the the key principle I would share would be we had guys who were spiritually disconnected plugging in because I didn't count it like that. Uh, I had some guys who participated in some of our gatherings. We were off campus as well that may not have chose to attend on Sunday. That's almost like you know unheard of in some places. In other words, if if the, if the guy from the uh, remote control airplane. Uh, 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 landing strip, the, the connection. If he never came to us, I still feel like there's a kingdom investment in his life. He may go somewhere else. Now, more than likely, he's going to be connected with our guys. So it wasn't, it wasn't a success based upon if he came through my turnstile and his God story was written on my turf. I would long to see that take place eventually. But I wouldn't take the statistics to say we were most successful because of this m- amount of people that, that took place. There was a frequent, uh, a number of guys who were being, you know, uh, converted to Christ that uh, we were excited about. But as far as a stat, there was there was a, a chance to include what was going again, even all inclusive about that. I was with a church last week, by the way, in Maine, and uh, they're like some of you at the beginner level, and so they said Clark Miller's teammate Jeff Dion. Uh, they said we want him to come and train our leadership team. But we would like to also invite three or four other churches from our town, Holton, Maine. It was about 90 minutes away from this uh, church we were meeting in. And so they had a previous relationship. They said, when he comes and trains, can he train just beyond our leadership team? There's actually an alliance going on. And uh, we we long to see this happen. You know, if we were all from the same, if we were all in Nashville, and there's uh, 15 churches represented by you, uh, 25 leaders, let's say. So if we said, okay, guys, there's going to be a coalition of ministry to men that from 1,500 to 26, once a guy comes to my remote control airplane, he goes out to what you're striving for, he goes to your baseball trip, I don't really care where he goes after that. You see, we've gotten to this whole uh, mindset. If it, if it happened on my turf, it doesn't, it doesn't get credited for it. Versus God's kingdom mindset would say, guess what? What if all of us had that concerted effort and then they got routed out to some other churches than those who hosted it? In other words, my Tuesday night men's group and your Thursday morning and your Saturday afternoon work project, hey, we have that kind of a kingdom mindset and let's just see what God wants to do irregardless of where they come. So those are the guys that can't be counted under those particular ratios. So that's the terms I like to think in. Yeah, it's actually the fourth chair because again the fifth category is that hurting man. But if he, if he, if he's really God and others, that's, that's what I try to convince people all across America. If you get locked and loaded in the deep end, but you're not having a chance, I need you to come back over here and help me. These are the groups I'm trying to be called to reach. So we want to see you go this direction, you know. But, but come back, at least bring the Gatorade to the work project. At least come play in the golf tournament. At least go to the baseball game with us. Because at the baseball game, there will be some guys that may drop into your, your deep end study on Thursday nights. So sure, that's a representation. But oftentimes, scholarship takes place down here, not discipleship. And so uh, there's got to be a good, healthy balance of the written Word and the living Word. So to wrap this up, the big idea once again, every interaction you have with any man, all five types, should be a part of your discipleship strategy. Know your five types of men. Categorize them in your local church based upon where they are in their spiritual stage. Do that ministry audit. What is happening now in my congregation so I can see as a diverse plan what is happening that I could leverage from an all-inclusive mindset. And then let's go connect the dots between the VBS and the retreat. Let's connect the dots to the guy that's, fel- the guy that's playing golf. Hey, we need some help in the student minister being a mentor. See, we've got to connect the dots all across the map. Then all-inclusive plays out over time. And you'll see God do some great things in your midst. Father, thank you for these men for their heart for you, for their desire to go forward in the disciple-making process, help it to be all-inclusive. Not men's ministry, but ministry to men, reaching all five types because those are the types are on your watch. I often think, when you went to the sycamore tree, you did not invite Zacchaeus to study systematic theology. I think my brother back here who's taken his guys to the baseball outing, I think that's the invite he might have gotten or the golf tournament or fly the remote with airplanes. And eventually, by coming to his house, having a chance to get to know him and building that relationship, obviously the seeds of the gospel can be sown. Give us that capacity to leverage every interaction so we can truly be, be an all-inclusive mindset in our local churches and all the men of God said, Hey, great having you hang out with us, guys. One more session on Create, Capture, Sustain, and we'll wrap No Man Left Behind up.
0: You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. This audio was adapted from the original presentation. Not all live interactions are included. Learn how you can grow as a disciple maker by visiting discipleship.org, where you can also register for the next National Disciple Making Forum.